1: Welcome, everybody. We are back today, um, and we have a very special guest. Um, I am very excited about our episode today. We're going to do a bit of what I think of as a retrospective on activity coaching with someone who has been um, doing this for a long time, like back to the paper and pencil days. Um, Our special guest is Kara Faust today. Um, And Kara started her career in 2000 at the Quali Group in St. Louis. And she started, uh, interestingly enough, um, she started just as I was leaving. So she was coming in um, and I trained her as my replacement, which is very exciting to me. Um, And she has just been amazing. So she had that job as a training and development director for the Quali Group for 10 years And during that time, um, consistently led Northwestern Mutual in both recruiting and new rep development. She prides herself on using her extensive Granum knowledge, and it is extensive to hold reps accountable to building a firm foundation for their practice. In 2011, she actually left the network office to become her own outside coach, you know, to do her own thing. And in that time, she worked with advisors um, all over the map in terms of lengths of service from the building phase to the veteran phase. And she loved working with advisors at all levels, but she figured out as, you know, which is why she's near and dear to us, that her true passion lies in those early years and most specifically in the early months of a rep's career. So with that passion and direction in mind, she returned to network office life in 2018 at the Gross Financial Group, where she is currently the director of development with Danny Babbitts' district office. Over the past five years, Kara and Danny have grown their office from zero advisors to a team of 22 advisors who have done over a million of under five FYCs in each of the last three years. Their office motto is process over results. Um, On a personal note, Kara is married to Jason, a self-employed attorney, and they have two teenagers, Mia, who is almost 16, and Evan, who is 14. And Kara, in her free time, enjoys traveling, yoga, reading, and spoiling her adorable Frenchie, George. So welcome, Kara. Thank you. great to be here. Well, good. We're excited to have you.
0: Sabina, you know what I'm thinking as we're all, as I'm listening to the intro, We have to have between the three of us close to 80 years of NM experience. Because I'm at 29, I'm you're at almost 35. 30, you're yeah. over 30, what, 35. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then we have 20. Yeah, we do don't know. look a day over 20. Not at all. <laughs> so, but we have, that's why, I, that's why I think this, this episode in particular, I think they're all fun and fabulous, but I think this one's really going to be fun because we have the perspective of going all the way back to when we still had the shoebox and the blue book and, you know, we were writing numbers. So, um, and to, so to that end, Cara, um, we'll kick it off with the first question, which is what are some of the changes that you've seen throughout the years as activity coaching has evolved from the paper and pencil taking, you know, taking down numbers literally to the current use of technology?
2: Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. I listen to you all um, every episode. It's something that gets me recharged, um, even as this veteran coach. So, I love that I get to be the guest today. Um, and Sabina failed to mention in my bio that I am feel so fortunate that at the like ripe age of twenty three, that Sabina tapped me on the shoulder and said, "I'd like you to replace me here at the Quali Group." Um, I just so fortunate for that. The whole trajectory of my career is because of, of that moment. So, thank you. Sabina. Yeah. Um, so what's changed is like everything and nothing all at the same time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so um I think that the, the for the most part, all of the technology changes that I see have been really good. Uh there are a couple things that I think are downsides to um just our, our access to so much information, but for the most part, great. I think that people have so much information at their fingertips. There's so much data about somebody's business, the ability to you know pop in and call somebody that um, maybe they're calling somebody that's a non-automatic, that they want to call outside of an age change and a birthday. And it's so easy to get that information and put things into action. Um, I think there's less friction with posting. And planning is another issue. But with posting, there's less friction, they can post after every appointment, you don't have to get out a paper and pen notebook, you know, or success manual with your one card box and your control book and have all this out. Um, It can be done on the fly on their phone. Um, and I really love that part of it. And then I think there's just so much more efficiency when it comes to the business. It's not always effective. So I think we can talk about that, but there's so much more efficiency and being able to hop on a Zoom call and not have to worry about driving somewhere um, to be able to, at the end of a meeting, post a result and not have to go and find all of those supplies to post something in your uh, paper and pen version. I, I do think that the difficult part in my mind, um, from an activity standpoint, is probably points. Because most people are not calculating their own points, the system just, you know, shoots that out for them. So you have to be more intentional about that. I'm just in my coaching meetings, I make them even though it tells tells you how many points I make them still tell me um, each piece of their activity for, for what it's worth. But when we get down to the points, I, I have them tell me their points. And especially if they haven't posted something, that's always when I know if they know how to calculate their points, like, so how many points did you score yesterday? And they're like, ah. <laughs> um, but we also have to be more intentional about it, for instance, our uh, Monday morning meeting, we sort that report by points. So to get rep of the week, uh, we still do rep of the week. And to get rep of the week, you have to keep at least 15 appointments, you have to score 30 points, but we, we don't sort it by kept appointments, it's by points. So we, we've just found ways to kind of get around that, I guess.
1: Well, that sort of segues into the next question was how have you seen posting, and in particular, planning um, evolve along with that technology use?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think post I I see more people posting now and the same people that probably weren't going to post before don't post now. (laughs) But I just think there are just less obstacles to posting. So I get less excuses about the posting part. It's the next part, the planning that we still have the same problem that we had before. So the planning, um, the pausing, looking at their numbers, reviewing their numbers, where does this put them for their weekly commitments, their monthly commitments? Um, What do they need to do then tomorrow in order to make sure that they're still honoring their commitments? That part of it can't really be automated. That has to do with them taking action and being a business owner and creating some habits. So I don't know that it's a technology piece necessarily. (laughs) But, um, I think that it is something that is just going to be a constant in our business because not everybody is going to take the time to do that.
1: And I, I guess the only downside of the technology that I see is that now that you can post throughout the day, if you, if you, after your last appointment have posted all your activity for the day, there's no, you really have to be to your point, very intentional about sitting down and reflecting on the day. And Heather, what's the quote, the favorite quote about reflection?
0: Uh, reflection turns experience into insight but yeah, you're well, gonna that say not <laughs> it didn't happen but
1: that's I think that's <laughs> what they're missing that yeah, that's a missing piece is you, they don't have that opportunity to turn that reflection into insight for the next day so
0: you know and to that point Sabina there. I love, I want to go back to something Kara said, which I loved, which is the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. And I do think technology does make us much more efficient, right? Because it gives us broader access. I mean, could you imagine if you had all of, like back in the day when everything was in writing in the blue book, if you wanted to know somebody's numbers, you had to go hunt them down, right? Or find the activity coach because maybe they wrote it in a folder or something. So, so efficient from a lot of ways, but not efficient, I think, in regards to really teaching them how to fish. And what I mean by that is, Um, Because everybody has access to it now, I see a lot of when I shadow new activity coaches, they already have the numbers pulled up and ready to go. So when the FR either pops online or into their office, the numbers are up. And they're not reading the numbers out loud. Back in the day when we had to write it down, they would say their numbers out loud and the activity coach would write it down in there, right? And, and they would capture it. And now because they're already there and the coach is looking at the numbers, that verbalization of it isn't necessarily there anymore. So I think that's one of the downsides to it. Um, and it's not teaching them how to fish. I Every once in a while, I'll pick up a rep that's in their first month and I'll say, okay, pull up your numbers. And they look at me cross-eyed. Well, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, how can you be in your fourth week and you don't know how. Oh, my other coach, you know, always pulled it up for me.
2: Yeah. So Heather, I have a workaround on that. I gotta say, (laughs) because... And it's probably because I came from the paper and pen world, right? So when I got back into activity coaching, I'm not going to read a report and see what you did. You still have to tell me. So my reps walk into my office with their computer. They run their blue book. I don't run it. Now, I will do some spot checking on it. But I also use some of the same instincts that I had back when it was paper and pen to know whether or not they're actually posting. I don't have to see it, the blue book report to know when they're delivering their numbers to me. I know if they've posted or not. So they still have to say it out loud. And I tell them straight up, I'm like, I know this is weird. Like I have access to this information. It might seem strange, but there's power in you saying what you did. And I still take down every day's worth of numbers. Even if we haven't met for three days, we get every individual individual day. And I think that that's probably just the history of being an old lady doing this now. (laughs) (laughs) There's some habits that I have and I haven't ever broken that one.
1: And they're good ones. They're good habits. Um, I think so. (laughs) and, And I think underlying all that to me, and this is what I tell people all the time, efficiency is great, but the process itself has value. The process itself, I mean, because efficiency is just really shortens every process, right? It just gets you from point A to point B faster. But but sometimes when you have to go around the block to get across the street, you learn a little bit more, you have a little more experience with it, you get, you know, it sticks a little bit more. And so I, I do think that's, and I think that's technology in general, you know, it's not just this business that's everything is is so efficient now, but, um, but there's value in the, you know, it's Granum, right? You gain conviction around what you hear yourself say out loud. And if you're not saying it out loud, it's easy to, I think, to kind of hide from it. You know, it's like, Ooh, we just won't, won't talk about that. Um, so thinking about excuses, which are always, uh, I'm going to be a part of, you know, it's why we coach, right? Because that's mostly what we do is overcome excuses. Have you um, observed any new excuses or ha- how have excuses evolved over over the last 20 years?
2: Well, I think we have some excuses that have gone away because people aren't driving to and from appointments as much. So I don't hear, I got a flat tire or yeah, right. I ran out of gas, which was always like two go-tos on Monday mornings. It was amazing to me, the amount of flat tires that would happen on a Monday morning. Um, But um, you know, I don't hear traffic as much anymore. So that part kind of been eliminated in in how we're doing business now. Um, I do hear more like work from home excuses. I hear a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm just so much more efficient at home. And for the rare human being, I think that they can be more efficient at home. But I think most people need other people around them and need more structure. Um, So I see some more of that I think with our access to technology and feed lists, I get a lot more of, oh, I didn't ask for referrals in the close because I didn't have a feed list. Probably my biggest pet peeve excuse right now. All my reps can tell you that. Because um, it's just, we guess what? We used to not have access to, we couldn't just do the click of a button, get 40 people onto a feed list, and people still got referrals in closes. <laughs> and-
0: Feed list should always be last. Yeah, feed right. a name, feed a category, and then feed a list. They, they should be feeding the other things right, before right. they even Especially think of because, the list. again,
2: yeah. efficiency and effectiveness, right? Those are, initial names are going to be more effective than the people that are on the list. Um, but because we have such access to that and it's so easy to get there, I do see like QS numbers are going up because there are more ways to get QSs. But I also see when there's that hurdle of I didn't prepare, I didn't do.
0: And I think they use technology as actually in many ways an excuse when they're oh I don't my numbers aren't right or something's not correct with mm-hmm. this or I didn't know how to post that or you know and they're they're trying to kind of use that as a way to dodge mm-hmm. the accountability and yeah, yeah that's true
1: I hadn't even thought about that like before if your numbers weren't right because you literally didn't write them down right, right? <laughs> like there was no excuse around that.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there um, definitely is and there are sometimes when technology is down, right? And that's harder for me because I kind of prefer it when it's fully in their control and they didn't do it. But when it is something that technology is down, what do they do? Right? They don't have a backup to that. So that makes it interesting. But that's usually short lived. Yeah.
0: And and not a prevalent thing, right? Yeah. Right. Have either of you experienced? Um, I feel like there are more personal excuses around lifestyle and things that have come up because we have more dual income, dual working spouses um, than we used to, uh, and so it used to, there used to be less things. I feel like that many of the frs had to deal with because one of the spouses stayed at home, or um, I don't know. I just and maybe it's just society in general today, but there's so always so many excuses. You know, it's not flat tires necessarily anymore, but it's my dog was sick. My, this, my, I mean, there's like, I I just feel as if there's more of those personal issue type things.
2: Well, and do you feel like, I feel like maybe COVID is a part of that because we were in everybody's homes for so long that we don't have that division. And that has continued now that we're all back in the office. Is we we know the people's dog. We know know what the dog looks like. Yeah, and will come right. up on your lap in the middle of a Zoom call, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so I think that it, there's some kind of probably sympathy that on our part that we have to that as well mm-hmm. because we were there for him,
1: right? And I think one of the things that probably I don't know if it's changed or not, but back when it was still paper and pencil, the the rep's job was considered the quote flexible job, right? So so whoever, whether it was male or female, I mean it really was the same on both. Um, whoever was the rep, if their spouse had a regular, you know, job that had hours and so forth, it was like, well you do this errand and that errand and the other, you're the one with the flexible job, not really understanding that there's not a lot of flexibility early in the career. Is that do you see much of that still?
2: Yeah, I mean, I still think that people fall into the flexibility trap too early. And and some of that, I don't want to blame anything on recruiting, because I don't mean that But I think people in rec- when they're in the recruiting process, they hear flexibility, the, and they, they hear that louder than they hear something else, because it's what they're looking for. And they don't always recognize that we have to launch this first before that flexibility comes in. Somebody in our office calls it um, business, uh, business owner boot camp. So he tells his, his mentees, this business owner boot camp, you're not a business owner yet, (laughs) you got to reach a certain level before you're a business owner. Um, So I, I don't think that I think it's the same, Sabina, that yes, spouses, other people in people's circle have probably more flexibility than people used to. But this is still the most flexible, they know that they don't have to be somewhere, you know, at a certain time.
1: Okay, so switching gears just a little bit, thinking about yourself as a coach, when you were brand new as a coach in 2000, and where you are today, how how would you describe um, how you've grown as a coach in those 20 plus years?
2: I think I've grown a lot as a coach. Um, in particular, I started in 2000 after you, Sabina. You were this legend. <laughs> And I was a 23-year-old not knowing what the heck I was doing with my life and had to take over really and come in. I remember I met with a gentleman who was in his 40s, probably early 40s, and I sat down with him and and so Sabina trained me and then I... I shadowed her for a little bit and then she shadowed me. So we had had a while together. I know I want to say it was like probably a month or so together. So I remember the first day that I was on my own. I sit down in this meeting with this forty something year old rep and he said, I don't know why I'm here. I don't have to listen to you. You are in your 20s, I have all this experience, because he, he was a career changer. And I said to him, I'm like, listen, I hear where you're coming from, you have to do this, and I have to do this. So we can either make something of it, or we can just come in here and waste each other's time. Let's decide what we're going to do. Um, so that was a very intimidating process for me. Um, but I mean, i had been trained well, then that helped. So in early on, I think I really rested on my granum knowledge now granum is like a a really my native language a lot of ways now but it wasn't then and so i was constantly reading the granum book i still do for what it's worth but i was constantly i mean i would go through that thing and then start it over again and finish it and go through it again i mean it was tattered um And I think I had to be really by the book, Granum, when I was a new coach. So I was, there was not a lot of wiggle room in what I would accept and what I, um, the excuses that people would give me. And I still don't have a lot of wiggle room with excuses, but I think I approach it now with a different viewpoint. Now I've been through a lot of life and I know where life comes up and I know how I've handled things. And so I think now I look more at the full person than I once did, where I once just looked at the like black and white of the numbers. I want to be clear, numbers are still like the absolute foundation to what I do. And I am still, and like I said, I take down every single day's worth of numbers, right? And I still will dive into the numbers and analyze the numbers. I also can look at the whole person in a different way.
0: That's so well said. That makes a lot of sense.
2: Yep. It does. It really does.
1: Um, and, and I think it's especially helpful for other younger, newer activity coaches who are just getting started and probably feel, feel the exact same thing. 23 years later, somebody who's brand new today still has some of that same, um, anxiety about, am I bringing value? You know, what if this person is 20 years older than me, you know? So,
2: and I think as long as you know, Granum when you're a new coach, you know, more than they know there is value you're bringing. Even if you've, like, let's be real, how many of them have actually read Granum, you know, the, the raps, how many of them have cracked it open beyond just getting through their core elements that they have to get through for contracting, right? So you're still even if you've read one chapter, you probably know more than they know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you were looking for an activity coach, what are some key characteristics that you would look for today?
2: Yeah, so I think somebody who shows leadership qualities, it is a leadership role. There are times when you have to I use Sabina, you taught me this, but I use it all the time, you have to be banging the drum. And sometimes Sometimes you were the only darn person banging that drum. And you have to have enough, enough conviction in what you're doing and enough belief in yourself to keep banging that drum. And that's difficult. I don't think that age brings that necessarily. It certainly helps. But um, I think the person that can stand up up for themselves, that's not afraid of conflict. I say that though, I hate conflict. Like everybody does, right? I'm, I don't want to have any conflict in my life. However, if I believe in something, I will have the conflict. And I think you've got to find somebody that is willing to take on some of those hard conversations. Um, also, somebody's a good listener, right? I think we forget about that sometimes in all aspects of leadership in this business, but you have to be able to listen and not be the person that always has the answer answers And be comfortable with that, and be comfortable letting somebody stumble and come up with the answer on their own when you know you have the answer for it. I know, right? it's so tempting, right? Right, yeah. It's getting into like that directive and non-directive coaching. Mm-hmm. You have to know when to turn that dial, and that's difficult. Um, I don't know what you how you find that necessarily in somebody, but I think through conversation you can see those people that feel like they've got to know it all, and then mm-hmm. the people that are into growth and helping other people grow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. How, um, how can leadership position activity coaching? Cause that's still, we still get a lot of questions in the clinics about that, about how, how the concept of activity coaching is positioned and where, and, and, you know, when there is conflict how is it supported? So
2: I've always been brought up as a coach in the recruiting process. So I am like a selling point. That you are gonna get a business slash life coach, right? Um for and I, I coach people for the first two years, but even if it's for the first three months, right? You're gonna get this for free. We are providing this for you. So I think it starts there. The rep doesn't ever know anything different. They know from get the get-go that they're going to have a coach. Um, I think beyond that, so I've got a unique situation now. And I haven't had it for my whole career. But right now, I... I'm the director of development for Danny Babbitts. And Danny, I coached Danny when he was brand new. So Danny fully supports me. Um, he tells people stories about that I don't actually remember. But <laughs> when I coached him, he tells this story to everybody. He actually says it in training about a time when he came into my office and he was giving me high fives when he walked in. And I said, sit down, give me your numbers. And he gave me his numbers and he like didn't do his dials. He didn't get his QSs. He didn't score his points, but he had two sales. And he was so excited about these sales. And I'm like, Hey, congratulations on your sales. Um, But I'm having hard time understanding why you're so excited. Because you what did you commit to? And he told me what he committed to. I'm like, Okay, well, you didn't hit that. So why are you so excited? And he said he walked out of that meeting just mad as hell at me. (laughs) I can't believe that. Like, I had these two sales and nothing's ever good enough. Fast forward; those two people never became clients of Danny's. But Danny learned that we value the activity, we value the work, and he took that lesson and he's now used that with people that he coaches. And like so, the the magnifying effect of that is just always gives me all the feels. Um, but I, so I think that that helps me a lot. And <laughs> not everybody can replicate that. You can't really have your managing director be somebody that you coached when they're brand new. Um, I get that, but I do think that if you're not on the leadership team, getting on the leadership team, it's meeting with your MP or your MD and saying, this is, so, I need to be a part of this. I need to be in the conversation. I think there's a lot of asserting yourself that you've got to do behind the scenes. Um, and I also think just getting ahead of some of the excuses. So if you're an, a new coach or um, or if some this is something you struggle with, it's maybe sitting down with the leadership team and saying, hey, this is like, how are we going to handle when this happens? How are we going to handle when a rep stops showing up to coaching meetings and to mentor meetings and and get a game plan before it happens. Um, Or it happens and then let's get a game plan for how it's going to happen for the next person. Yeah. And uh, what you say about
1: getting on the leadership team is so important because when I was brand new at this, I was not part of the leadership team. And I had to probably fight for the better part of a year to be included in those meetings, you know, going forward. And then, and then, you know, then the other side of it was once I was, I felt the enormous pressure to bring value, right? Like, like you fought for this. Now you better, now you better make it, you know, make them understand they made the right decision. So it, it does work.
0: It goes back to, to what, um, what you originally said about being a leader, right? What you're looking for in a good coach, because you're not going to put somebody on a leadership team if they're not a leader. Um, and I had a managing director call me recently and he said, I need some help with my activity coach. She sees herself as a helper and she wants to help everybody but she doesn't see herself as a leader. There's a big difference between the two. Um, It's one thing
2: to be a resource and one thing to lead people. I never wanted to have, and I still don't want to have all the answers for somebody. And for two reasons, like now I know a lot of the answers, right? 20 years ago, I didn't know, I didn't have all the answers. So I'm like, I don't know, you're going to have to go ask somebody else in the office. Um, Now I have a lot of them, but I want my the people that I'm working with, I want them to build relationships with other people in the office. That's the stickiness in this career, the more relationships you have, they're in a relationship building business. So if they can't walk across the the way and ask somebody else or ask another, you know, an advisor a question about something like then they're I don't want to be the only person that holds that relationship with them. And I just think that that's important. Um, one other thing I would say, though, to that leadership or, or the you know, getting the leadership team behind you and, and making sure that they're promoted and that I do think defining roles is important in an office. Like if you're in an activity office, most people are going to really default to talking about activity. And I have to tell I'm in an activity office. We are high activity. And I have to remind mentors and my managing director that I'm the activity person. They can support me on that. But I need them to talk about case development, the mentors. I need my managing director to be doing visioning. I got the activity part. And we also know that they don't question me on activity. They can question me in a leadership team meeting behind closed doors, but in front of a rep I'm not questioned about the activity. That's my deal. I think that's just important. And it really can relieve the mentors because they don't have to worry about that. If you say, hey, you can check in on their activity, but you just focus on case development and you focus on language and whatnot, that's great. Now they have less that they have to do.
1: And the part that they're better at anyway, right? Like, I think over the years, we've seen when, when advisors try to take on that activity coaching role, it's just not something many of them are, are, have the patience for, I think, because it's such a detail oriented, you know, path that is. So thinking about today, you know, if if you were bringing in somebody new today, what are one or two of the top pieces of advice or wisdom that you would share with activity coaches today as they're as they're
2: coming into the role? Well, I think asserting themselves, speaking up for themselves. Um, and don't minimize yourself just because you're with advisors who have a certain level, you know, status or a certain income um, that you've got to value your, the message that you have and your own growth. So I think that's probably the biggest part. And then I'd say become an expert, read Granum. Like I know that it's on a PDF now, and that's not great to read, see if you're, leadership team will spring for the $100 book <laughs> if you need that. But read it and read it again and again and again and again and again. Um, I host um, some study groups in our office for other people that want to read Granham. Sometimes it's with reps, sometimes with um, some team members. And that helps me because then I have to read it again. So finding some accountability for yourself within that. Um, And then I think some of the things we've already talked about, you don't have to be your go-to, the go-to for everything, right? Like become specialized in what you do and let other people be specialized in what they do. I think those are be my big pieces. I, probably my last one would be, this, might, this is a little bit more minutia, but have an expectations meeting. My first meeting, so I get to go still go into training and I talk about coaching and training. So that helps a little bit. But then in my very first coaching meeting, I set expectations. I tell them that uh, they're gonna have to be honest with me, that we're gonna waste everybody's time if there's no honesty here. And that I will be honest right back in the interest of their own growth. I tell them that they need to be prepared. I don't wanna spend time them posting results right i want them to be prepared with their blue book run um they have to be on time because i have a 15 minute meeting so if you're five minutes late i feel i've been stood up and i move on um and i also tell them that they're not going to like me all the time and i say i have lived a lot of life, and I have a lot of really great friends, and I am not looking for new friends. If we become friends in the long run, awesome. But that's not why I'm here. So ultimately, and this is what I say in that meeting is that I am going to put the person above the relationship, I'm not protecting our relationship, I'm going to protect and and that person's business and and their future. So I think that helps me a lot. And I I don't have as many conflicts over time, because we can go back to that expectations meeting. Absolutely. And I
1: I think when I I want to call back to to what Danny, the things that Danny remembers that you don't, that's, I think, a fairly common, and we teach that all the time. What you say in the moment matters, and people can stomp out and be mad, but they'll think about it and they'll come back. And that that's the kind of stuff that sticks, you know, that kind of meaningful stuff where you're not, you don't say something, you say it intentionally and then and then you see it gets a reaction and you want to back up and go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt your feel, you know, whatever. Just, you just have to let it be there and people will wrap their heads around it eventually. But you're going to say a lot of stuff and people are going to remember it. You know, they're going to remember it.
2: Yeah. I just, right before I came in here, I had somebody tell me that, he's like, Kara, you're right about calling age changes and birthdays. <laughs> so he's like, like yes, two I and don't half know. In the he's like, you've been telling me this. And he said, I have, he has a certain number of prefills that he's had in the last week, all off of age changes and birthdays. So I'm like, you know what? You don't have to tell me I'm right. We all know that already. <laughs> that's one right. of those truths.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too funny. Have you um have you seen a difference in the in-person versus virtual coaching?
2: Uh, well, I prefer in person, for sure. So uh, just there, there's, it's just more real, right? Right. Um, it's, there's it's less hiding an energy. Can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think my biggest thing when I was, especially during COVID, when I was doing a lot of, of virtual, I don't do a whole lot of virtual right now. Like if somebody tells me that they need to be virtual, they've got to have a pretty darn good reason for it. And I actually have a rule that if they want to be virtual, they need to tell me 24 hours beforehand, so that I can kind of prepare myself and and whatnot. I mean, obviously, if we have, you know, a snowstorm, that's going to be a different story. Um, So that is kind of nice that even with some of these conflicts, we can still have coaching, which is great. So that's the great upside of of virtual. But I do think that we have so many distractions when we're virtual, we're on our computers. So I personally, when I'm on doing virtual coaching, I have to close out of everything. I close out of Outlook. I close out of we have kind of our Ring Central phone on our computers. I close out of all of that because I can get distracted. And I tell them that so that hopefully they also are doing the same thing. Um, And then I do think that there's... What I get when I'm in the office with people is that I get to, in the afternoon, say, hey, how are your dials going? Like, How many QSs have you received? And I don't get that when I'm virtual. So I have to be more intentional about either checking in in the afternoon or... And this is more importantly, what I'd probably do more so is making sure that they have a way of either checking in with me or an accountability partner. So, okay, you're excited about this now. What happens when you have, you know, cancellation of your clothes that you're super excited about and you're at home and you would rather do the dishes than get on the phone? Like, who are you going to call? So we kind of create some accountability plans, more like afternoon accountability plans more so than I do when I'm in person, because that's just going to happen organically when we're in person.
1: Okay, Heather, do you, can you think of anything else, anything
0: we haven't covered? Oh, my gosh, no. I, this was great. I You're like a little um, Sabina. It's just fun hearing you because I hear a lot of the Sabina-isms in you, and I love it. Um, yeah. I do, too. Greatly <laughs> to be here today. Yes, yeah, Sabina's so my, my star people. pupil.
2: <laughs> See what Sabina taught me all those years. You probably don't remember, <laughs> remember it, Sabina. <laughs>
1: I know. Well, it is. It's interesting because I I I heard it especially in the you don't need to be friends. We still talk about that. We talk about you can be you can have empathy for someone and you can be encouraging of them. But I, you know, I used to say almost the exact same thing. I'd say you know I've. I, I got to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And you're, you're not going to like me sometimes and I'm okay with that. Just You can't emotionally blackmail me. You
2: know,
0: It's not going to work. So right. much of it comes down to trust though, too. You have to have a good relationship with somebody and the more they trust you, the more wiggle room you have to say anything you need to say. Um, it's going to land differently. Um, so I think that that's really important that you take time to build that relationship with them personally. Yeah.
2: And you know, I think another part and one thing that you just said that just made me think of this is, I think sometimes it's hard when you're a new coach, because you don't like people leave this business. And that's difficult. I tell the story of when John Qualley walked up, I was a new coach after Sabina had left. And John Qualley walked down in front of my office stopped and he goes, Kara, development is all about disappointment. I'm like, oh, yay, so glad I signed up for this. (laughs) He was like, that's why we celebrate the success so much. And he walked by and I'm like, what? And I learned what that meant, right? There is a lot of disappointment. People leave this business. So I've had to change my focus from when I was a new coach to... I still want people to be very successful in this business, but I am coaching a human being and I want that human being to learn something for me, whether they stay here or not. And I, I think that's something you've got to come to as a coach and, and learn um, because that's, it's, it can be really hard. Otherwise, if you think you're, you're a failure every time somebody leaves this business, whew, that's difficult
1: yeah we teach that in our clinics we talk about that about developing a a bigger philosophy around coaching rather than just cuz i you know probably pass that on too cuz i used to think that it was my job to keep people in the business you know and that every time someone would leave i failed cuz i didn't really understand how retention worked you know so yeah well, Kara, this has been so much fun, and you have brought tremendous value um, to our listeners. And so, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today um, and share all that you have learned.
2: Well, thank Which you for having me. I, I love this. I kind of want to just go to lunch with you two. I uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> right. The two of you can. I'd have to hop on an airplane, but maybe. That's so.
2: Okay, other people. Well, yeah, that would be great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we would love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Kara. Great to see you.
1: All righty. Take care.
0: Thanks, everybody. We will
1: see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like,
1: share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app.
0: And to learn more about our Activity Coaching Clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes.
1: Thanks again Again for listening. listening. Keep Keep learning learning and and growing. growing.